Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. And today, obviously, no exception. One of the reasons I love doing these early shows is uh, Lily Pauly, hi from England, the UK, and uh, we've got people from all around the world who join us during these earlier shows. So welcome to all. Uh, we're going to get right into it. First of all, a uh, very special shout out to Evan D. Madam, Evan is a woman, Evan D., who's on the mend after a little health scare. So wishing Evan D a quick recovery and uh, hope she is listening today. A little background on what we're going to discuss today. August 10th, 2022, OnlyFans and Instagram model Courtney Clenny, who had about 2 million Instagram followers, uh, was arrested for second-degree murder in connection with the death of her 27-year-old boyfriend, Christian Toby Obumselli. Uh, he was stabbed to death on April 3rd, 2022, at the apartment the couple shared in the Edgewater neighborhood of Florida. I just found out the COE and I had uh, a, f- a very close couple friend of ours that were living there while they were having their house built. So got a little scoop on that. On the day of uh, Christian's murder, uh, Clenny, who goes by Courtney Taylor um, on Instagram and OnlyFans, called 911 to report that her boyfriend had been stabbed during an altercation between the two of them. Uh, Clenny is actually due back in a Miami courtroom on Friday, and I'm hoping the man you're looking at on the bottom right-hand uh, corner, Tim Jansen, will give us um, some live coverage and analysis as that comes to you from Miami, Florida. So without further ado, our best guest today, Kimberly Ward, is Christian Obumselli's civil attorney, Uh, She's a trial attorney at the Haggard Law Firm in Fort Lauderdale with a focus uh, on sexual assault, catastrophic personal injury, wrongful death, products liability, drowning and boating injuries. Uh, She's obtained over one hundred and sixty million dollars in jury verdicts and sixty seven million in settlements. Not a shabby number. Uh, Man rivaling that for sure. Famed Tallahassee defense attorney. R. Timothy Jansen, a partner in the firm that bears his name, Jansen and Davis. He has done it all, including five years as a federal prosecutor. No one knows Tallahassee uh, like Tim Jansen. That's why we've had him on uh, with the Dan Markell Adelson story. And last but not least, sound the calm alarm. Uh, she is here. Uh, Carm, I don't want to get into a familial battle, especially in light of the story, which is about DV. I don't want to say the words because uh, YouTube doesn't like the words. But I um, I had your word that you were going to be at my home 30 minutes ahead of time, and you got there at 3.46, which is 14 minutes ahead of time. Any response? Oh, you're muted. She just cursed and you didn't even hear it. Um, <laughs> you're going to have to ask the COE. You're going to have to ask the COE to unmute you. Very, you are very annoying today. I have to say that. <laughs> um, I did it. I did it. Okay. Kim, you, do me a favor, Kim. Tell me, um, how did you, you know, become Christian Obumselli's lawyer? Uh, and you're on the civil side. Is that correct? So. Just tell us, um, you know, what you're handling, how you became engaged and uh, so forth. 
So, you know, for, for better or worse, I always say, unfortunately, um, you know, our firm does have a reputation for handling these sexual assault, these DV cases. Um, and I say, unfortunately, because truthfully, in my business, I hope that we are so successful in cases like this that they don't exist anymore and that we get ourselves out of business. I would love that I don't, the phone doesn't call, doesn't ring and I don't have to handle one of these cases again. Um, but unfortunately it does. And because of that, um, you know, what my firm has had a history of is holding entities like this responsible. Whenever you have a tragedy like this, there are always two different avenues of recovery. The criminal justice system that um, you know, is extremely important. You also have the civil justice system. And I think this case is a really good example of that because there are injustices. There are people who need to be held accountable in both of these systems. And when you get through the facts and everything, specifically in the civil case, they're really, it's, it's just so much more complicated. And it's, um, you know, when all, when everything comes out, there were so many failures, so many notices that so many opportunities to shut this down that a murder never should have actually occurred. Tim Jansen, that is all very interesting. I'm going to circle back him and we'll uh, dissect it a little more. And I can already tell you're a competent attorney, by the way, you laid all that out. Um, Carm, you can let the COE know she's also cutting off the title of our show, but I'll have a word. There's um, tension in the air today. Uh, no, no, you you are feeling tension. I'm absolutely mellow. By the way, our babysitter five minutes before Carm was five minutes late got in a fender bender at school pickup. So it's been. I like to be transparent on STS. Let you know all the family uh, drama. Carm said to me, in my 63 years, I never had this kind of drama. Uh, she's alluding oh, to the I fact that I 63 years old. Just uh, Kim Wald's. Like, what it's like when you misplace and and you misplace your emotions on your poor little mother. Um, by the way, uh, Kim Wald's like, what did I get myself into? This is what happens when Carm is on the show. Just don't worry, Kim. It will be fine. Tim Jansen. Like she's my dad. It's great. <laughs> uh, there you go. Um, Sweden is in the house here. Uh, they could broker a peace deal. But yeah, so my nanny gets into a fender bender at the school pickup line today. And my four and a half, I, I knew the news because my wife was already calling for the insurance card. My four and a half year old son comes running in victoria got in a car accident and, and she hit my best friend's mother i was like wow well, that's great <laughs> so that's my day-to-day -day. tim uh you've had time to uh digest all this since the last time um we've discussed it from a criminal standpoint how strong do you think the case is against courtney clenny here criminally speaking well i think uh her own words have really strengthened the state's case Given that interview with the uh, the police and describing what hap allegedly happened and how she threw this knife 10 feet away when she was holding it in a position like the old movie Psycho in the bathroom, you can't throw a knife that way. Uh, the autopsy report is clear. It was a downward thrust with great force to go eight centimeters. So there's no way it was thrown from 10 uh, feet away. Uh, and then her regular statements just don't fit the crime scene at all. Carm has her hand raised. Go ahead, Carm. She does. Uh, regarding the knife and the knife throwing, unfortunately, I don't remember what is the name of Courtney's uh, 
I think her first name is Sabrina Courtney's attorney. And she said that she tried to throw the knife the same way and it's possible. That is the, uh, that's a defense attorney yes, speaking, Tim Jansen. It's her defense attorney. Her, uh, Sabrina, I forget her last name, and Frank Pietro and uh, Kim Canopolis. But Tim, you want to respond to my mom's claim that the defense attorney claims it is possible? Sure. She tried Um, it. She tried it. But first of all, the judge is going to tell the jury an opening statement. What the lawyers say is not evidence. The lawyers are not allowed to testify. I doubt that this lawyer is a knife-throwing expert. (laughs) I doubt that this lawyer is able to recreate the exact scenario, the exact knife, the exact locations, and the exact body composition of the victim. So, but that's one thing. And they can hire and they'll probably find an expert and they'll pay him probably $25,000 to come in and say, I was able to, it's possible, possible. Question is, is it probable? And do the facts fit this case? And the state will have an expert. Uh, I'm sure that the civil lawyers have an expert. And the autopsy is going to, common sense, Carm, you know that. Common sense is that enemy of fabricated evidence. Mm. Yeah. Very, long very live common sense. Dog. Long live common sense. Look at this comment, Carm, from Nikki Coods. Ordered the book. Thank you, Nikki. Uh, on that note, I can't resist. I can't help myself. Yeah, just resist, handsome. I'm going to put that up there. And Carm, uh, <laughs> let me just ask you, and then we're going to dig into this real deep. Aunt Clara says, Carm has become, by the way, that's the QR code. You, if you hold your phone up, you can pre-order the book. You will hear the real Carm, not the muted version that you heard earlier with her cursing at me, not realizing she I was muted. I did not curse. I have um, witnesses. Carm, scale of one to 10, how stressed are you about these curse words coming out in this book? To get this off the thing, because uh, you can't told you she doesn't. But, Carm, here's the comment. Carm has become everyone's here's mother. Do you feel uh, added pressure? Do you feel a burden on your shoulders? I hope my other children are more patient with me than my son sitting here. So, Kim, uh, you're the star of this show, obviously, Christian's attorney. Um, do me a favor. You know, you obviously didn't get to meet him because it was after the fact, after he was already killed, from what I understand. But I'm sure you've spoken with the family. Um, Tell us a little bit about him, the kind of person he was, the ambition he had. I understand he was quite successful. Yeah. So Christian, you know, obviously lost his life at 27 years old. He was survived by his two parents um, and, and his brother, Jeffrey. And they just had a really close family. You know, all of his cousins, they all really grew up together um, in Dallas, Texas. And, um, you know, some of the family was in Houston and they would get together for family gatherings. That's just who they were. Um, You know, every Christmas, every birthday, all of those things, they were a really, really close knit family. He went to high school um, locally in Texas, Palo East Senior High, and then he went to some, um, he he had college, he went to Texas Tech, he played some rugby in college, um, and then he he fell in with Courtney, and, um, you know, when he fell in with Courtney, he was kind of a little bit isolated from his family, um, and we see that trend in a lot of DV cases, that um, when there is this uh, situation going on, that you have a powerful person in a relationship, that there's sucking another one in that 
there is this dynamic of isolation. And the family was noticing a little bit of what was going on here. You know, he wasn't around as much. And unfortunately, now with all of the the criminal case, with the videos coming out and all the subpoena and all the evidence, we're seeing what happened and we're really seeing the dynamic and the things that were occurring behind closed doors that, you know, before the the trial was at, it was just privy to to the two of them, of course. Yeah. Um, Tim Jansen, Steve Conan, I like him to weigh back in on this. And then I'm going to get Carm involved from a, a therapist standpoint about the DV. Um, but um, Tim, to you, um, there was just an article that Steve Cohen, our good friend, sent me in the New York Post, basically talking about how the Miami PD, the Miami Police Department, who I used to deal with quite a lot as a reporter in the city of Miami, and they're an excellent police department, uh, but at times definitely can be a little sloppy. And they really just considered this self-defense without much of an investigation. How cynical do you have to be as a criminal defense attorney? And how do you do your due diligence in terms of your own investigation? Because it it appears this wasn't self-defense after all. Well, it all depends. Are you talking about the police officers who are in patrol that showed up and made that finding? Or the detective who was assigned and would have come out who has a lot more experience in crime scenes, a lot more experiencing looking at the crime scene and seeing if the facts as told by the participants is true. Um, a lot of times police want to believe that a, a male cannot be a victim. Uh, they believe the woman is the victim. Uh, but the first sign of a problem should have been when she said, they threw me against, he threw me against the wall, he grabbed my neck, threw me down, and they saw no evidence of injuries on her at all. And in fact, when they took her to the police station, they it took a while to do the interview. They again took pictures. They had the crime scene people come in, take pictures of her body, her neck. They had no injuries whatsoever. She herself said, I may not have been justified. They asked her, what did he say that when he was coming towards you right before you threw the knife? She, could, she looked like she was trying to make it up. Um, so she can't say, he said, I'm going to kill you when I get, he didn't say that she would have said that, um, nothing in her interview exonerates her or shows she was justified in using deadly force. And the force she used is contrary to the medical examiner's report. So the medical examiner says she was on top of him on a downward motion, shoving the knife eight centimeters in his chest uh when tim speaks there's something very captivating so i could see him in the courtroom i would uh immediately i think believe most of what he is telling me um it's a good trait tim jansen you can um, be my juror you're yeah you're acceptable as my cousin Vinny says you can be my juror okay perfect next next case i will come up there Carm, to you, uh by the way lisa boris is asking if you got my background hand me down um we're a little sloppy today. It's not it's not lit properly, all those things which irritate me, but I'll deal with it at a later time. Uh Danishka Bridell says Carm is a hot ticket. Uh Carm, I gotta say this openly. Without you, I would literally be literally be nothing. I wouldn't exist. Well now but, he's he's waltzing back. Yeah, but I literally uh the success of the show was all thanks to you and the COE oh, and Space so Coast. And no, it really is. Uh if I didn't have you you um, want me to tell you about? If I didn't have you late to every show, what's that? Go you ahead. want me to tell you about 
Courtney Clinic. Clinic. Yeah, she Carm always has to, you know, she speaks six languages, so she asked me 10 times how to pronounce it. She also had a very hard time with Christian Obum Sully. <laughs> but Carm, let me ask you this macro picture. I had you study this last night. What do you make of this relationship and or Courtney Clenny's behavior? Uh Courtney moved in there in her new apartment. I have to do this little short introduction. She moved in there with Christian uh, three or four months before the murder. And already at moving, there were uh, problems and screaming and bad behavior. But <clears throat> shortly after that, the the landlord realized that they are having too many uh, raucous fights and they, and they they cannot live in an apartment building with this behavior and he tried tried to evict them and courtney convinced the the uh, owner that she was now on uh, on, on medica receiving medication for borderline personality and she reassured the the management and the, and the owner that um it will take approximately a month and her moods will level out and she will not have any more the problems the diagnosis she gave to the to the owner was a borderline personality now it's an interesting diagnosis because uh, it's sort of when I was involved with with uh, doing therapy and so forth, that was the name for this condition. But now uh, it's not anymore really. It's called part of the cluster B personality disorders, and. It's even written on Google that it's very hard to diagnose this condition because it has so many facets and so many things involved with it. Not to hug up all the time. I just have to tell you that part of it is this impulsive behavior and very severe anger, okay? Uh, that kind of comes on and... Um, also, it and then it, it it dissipates sometimes later. But uh, of course, there are degrees of this. It's not so easy to even uh, verbally describe it because every person experiences it differently, and not all the points have to be present in order to get give this diagnosis. But this young woman certainly had um, abusive. I would say almost sadistic behaviors, and this and this uh, young man, the victim, uh, watching the scene in the elevator. If anybody else saw the scene in the elevator, we're going to play that in a moment. Oh, I'm always ahead of the the cart is always ahead of the horse oh. in my case. So anyway, uh, the diagnosis is uh, cluster B. Uh, personality disorder, which is a serious disorder, which is hard to diagnose. Hmm. Um, I wasn't lying when I said Carm is a licensed therapist. I'm going to get to this question in one second, but I'm going to interrupt myself on purpose to take this next comment. But the question for you, Kim, why was it only second degree murder? And we could ask Tim that as well. But first, Kathy, this show might not be for you. 
Is it possible to stay on subject and not waste the guest time with nonsense? So disrespectful. Um, and Catherine, who's a big friend of ours, Carm's like, yes, that's true. If Joel was my son, I'd be cursing too. But Kim, um, why? Um, I already forgot her name, but it's definitely not your show, I don't think. So go watch CNN and be bored out of your mind with Don Lemon, who's not there anymore. Don Lamone, who's no longer there. Uh, Kim, I'm feeling it today, Carm. I'm back. I'm back today, Carm. I've been reeling since vacation. Kim, um, why second degree murder and not premeditated? I know you're handling the civil side, but uh, you're an attorney. I am an attorney. Uh, Tim, I think, is going to have a little bit better of an explanation on this. Um, you know, it's my understanding it's only second degree murder. The the dif- the differences between first degree, second degree, there's um, the intent element that it has to be sometimes premeditated. And, uh, you know, the facts and circumstances of this, um, it appears that it might not have been premeditated, but um, because she is arguing self-defense and all of that. But I think Tim might be a little bit more qualified for for uh, than me on this specific the, the Tim, language. Tim Jansen, uh, why why second degree, and what is that? What's the difference between second degree and uh, first degree? Well, well, Kim did a great job for a civil lawyer explaining. <laughs> I try. <laughs> it, no, you did. It's great. I'm sure you went to a great law school. Um, premeditation. It, it was you formed the intent before the act happened. They don't have that in this case. What it screams out is that she lost her she lost her mind, lost her cool, picked up this object, probably cussed at him and threw it. Okay. And if you look at the police report, it says the victim in an imminently dangerous act demonstrating a depraved mind without regard for human life. And that is not premeditation. But it's basically doing something so dangerous with a deadly weapon that it becomes second-degree murder. Uh, and there is a big difference between second-degree murder and first-degree murder. Um, second, first-degree murder, you're going to get you're going to get a life sentence in Florida. Um, second-degree murder, you're looking at 25 to life. And then there's always lesser included. You can get manslaughter. But what they're saying is. It's like the heat of passion crime, right? You come home and you find your spouse with somebody and you just lose it and you end up killing somebody. That's not premeditated, right? Unless you knew your wife was doing this and then you sat and waited for the guy to show up and then you, that would be premeditated. But this looks like, and it sounds like it was another argument and that she just lost it and grabbed the knife. It's not the first time she's grabbed the knife though. She stabbed him before. And threatened to kill him before and made racial comments. Those are all what we call 404B uh, or Williams rule in the state of Florida. And I think that would be admissible both through civil and our criminal trial if they have a trial in this civil case. Wise child says Tim is the best. Nikki Coods. Um, back to you, Kim. She called her mom first, which is true, before calling 911. Um Will they get those phone calls to see what she actually said? Is that something that you as a civil attorney want to get your hands on also? Absolutely. You know, it's not that she called her mom after her mom was actually on the phone and that makes her a material witness Um, from the phone logs that we have. She her her mom was on the phone during this attack um, and she actually possibly heard the attack. She actually heard, you know, Courtney screaming and actually stabbing her and all of that, the, the timing of all of that is really important, especially on the civil side. So our lawsuit is all about the apartment complex, the management company, the security company, the apartment owner, what they knew and what they could have done. 
Um, and in this case, we have a lot of negligence that occurred before April 3rd. But on April 3rd, the timing of those phone calls is critically important. We know that the front desk, man the front desk attendant knew that there was a disturbance occurring in this apartment for 12 minutes. And it, they waited 12 minutes before the police actually came. If they would have you know, they, they were notified they were, that there was a disturbance. They sent their own security to stand outside of this door for 12 minutes while they heard the screaming, while they heard the fighting, while they knew everything Carm just said about the diagnosis. She said it better than I could ever say it. So I might be calling you as an expert in my case, if that's okay. Um, after they knew not only all of the disturbances, everything that happened in the last three months, but the fact that now they know this woman has a medical condition, a, a borderline personality disorder that is not being medically resolved, that the medication is not going to be taken in effect. They had a security guard stand there for 12 minutes and did absolutely nothing while Courtney's on the phone with her mom, while she's committing this murder, and then wait there, and then the police come. So the timing, the phone calls, all of that is very important to our civil case. Mm. Um, so I assume with that said that, you know, you're not just going after Clenny potentially, but everyone involved uh, at the building, the security firm, uh, A-all, as they say. Is that correct? Yes, you know, yeah. Courtney is named in our lawsuit, um, but there are so many other failures. You know, what the management company knew, what their, they had a security company who worked there. Um, what they knew before this, I mean, in the three months that they lived there, the police came to that apartment complex, to that unit, eight times. In three months, they had to call them eight times. There were noise complaints over 13, 14 times. They were trying to evict her. I mean, the number of times that they could have stopped this, they could have uh, you know, made sure that she couldn't have the, the means, the opportunity to commit this murder. Um, and, and they have to be held accountable. That's why we have a criminal justice system and a civil justice system. And do you have any idea on the criminal side? Uh, there's been all kinds of delays. Uh, there's another hearing on Friday. Any guess as to when the criminal trial might begin? I know that there's been a lot of discovery, a lot of, um, you know, uh, filings back and forth. And, and, you know, and speaking to the prosecutors, I think that they would like to try the case this year, um, you know, when in 2024, and if that's even possible with all the depositions and everything that's going to occur, um, obviously, on behalf of Christian's family, we want to see justice and we want to see um, swift justice. But we also want to make sure that they have all of the opportunities, everything that they need to um, to to ensure a, a conviction. Excellent. Okay. Cool. I have one. I have a question. Uh, you can start a civil case even before the criminal case is goes to the the trial. Is it in your is it in your interest? to postpone it until after the verdict or, it, or it's irrelevant? It, unfortunately, you know, that that's just not possible in our civil justice system. You know, the criminal justice, it could take years. There could be appeals. Um, you know, my law firm, we also represented many of the victims of the Parkland school shooting. There was a civil lawsuit that occurred and we were actually able to resolve 
a majority of that lawsuit before that case went to trial. You know, victims are entitled to justice in both systems. And if we have to wait for the entire criminal system to go through, um, we also have statute of limitations. And so there are situations that we unfortunately have to file it, even if there are reasons that we wanted to delay. How long? How long on average does how long on average does a civil case take to to come to some sort of conclusion? So on average, and a, and Tim can understand this. It's a very difficult question for a lawyer to answer. It depends, which is our favorite answer. Um, usually between ten to to twenty months. Um, it all depends on the judge and the jurisdiction and um, how everything happens. But you know, we obviously try to to get cases resolved and set for trial as soon as possible. Carm, you had a follow up. But uh, somehow, uh, logic dictates to in my head that that uh, if uh, if the criminal uh, trial is won by by the by the victims uh, by the victims, then that that would positively influence what you obtain from the civil. I think I think Carm's asking if the state wins, does that help you? Potentially? Yes, it, it does. And there are situations that we are actually allowed to say that in the civil case if it if it involves a crime and they are actually found guilty by a jury. Um, there's some situations that we're allowed to say that in the civil case. Um, on the other hand, though, there's different burdens of proof. There's different evidentiary rules in civil and criminal. And so what happens in the criminal case, there's things that they're going to be prohibited from putting in. In the civil case, there's things we're going to be prohibited. So ultimately, they are two very different trials, two very different looking trials. And so what, what happens in one and, and the workup in one is always going to help the workup in the other. I mean, the depositions in the criminal trial can be used in the civil trial and vice versa if it's sworn testimony. Um, but the, they're, they're very different. And I know Tim probably has had many cases that you've handled that there's a corresponding civil lawsuit as well. And if you can work together, mm -hmm. that's great. Um, and, and they're kind of just two different tracks that are just parallel. Mm -hmm. I'm you. I'm used to you on the other side. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so yeah. So Tim, I was just going to ask you that actually. So your your clients are usually the ones being sued by people like Kim Wald. How does that affect you, if at all, when you're dealing in the separate lane of the criminal case? Well, it depends on the kind of case we're talking. Right. Remember the Kobe Bryant rape case in Colorado, mm -hmm. right? Where the girl came up and he allegedly did something inappropriate. Once she filed the civil suit, her credibility in the criminal case significantly was diminished. And they ended up resolving the case financially with a confidential settlement and all the charges were dropped. So sometimes a civil action by the victim can help the defendant in a criminal case. Not always, but sometimes it can. And Kim, I was just curious when you said 10 to 20 months, that's settling the case. That's not trying the case in a civil arena, right? Exactly. Yeah. Trying yeah. the case could take usually two years, a year yeah. and a half, and, and then you possibly have uh, appeals and, and things like that. Tim, but, when, do you, Joel, when do you think your, this? Yeah, go ahead, Tim. Your, your question is, we sometimes would like to resolve cases criminally in the civil arena, right? Because then that potentially can limit the criminal exposure and at the same time, give the victim, she doesn't have to go into a courtroom and, 
and testify what happened to her. She says, I don't want to participate anymore. But then the question is, what kind of case are we talking? Are we talking about a date rape or are we talking about a murder? You got a murder here. The state is not going to let a civil settlement resolve the case. If it was a questionable date rape, you know, did they give consent or not? They would, but not in a murder case. No matter what that victim does, that civil case, this criminal case is going forward. Uh, we got Sweden in, the, Sweden in the house. Shout out to them. My uncle is married to a Swedish woman. Uh, La Femme. Carm, uh, this one's for you here. Not victim blaming. By the way, someone asked how old Carm is. You're never supposed to reveal a woman's age. She's 84. <laughs> she turns 85 in August. That was the second half of the question. And she looks damn good, doesn't she? She looks great. Um, I'm trying to make up for earlier, Carm. Uh, La Femme says, not victim blaming. I you use it by that. Okay. But but uh, not victim blaming here, Carm, but this person wants to know why the hell did Christian stay with her? He's not in it for the money since he was well off. She's not that pretty. She looks slimy or like someone's sloppy Joe. Carm, on a serious note, I mean, the question gets a little... Uh, out of control at the end there. Uh, not that I should talk, but um, why is it so difficult both sides for men to leave a woman or a woman to leave a man in these situations that are very um, volatile? By the way, how long have they been together? Uh, Kim, that's a great question. I think. Yeah, it, it was a few years. I think it was yeah, two years or something like that. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Carm. By the way, many marriages can go on like this for 30, 40, 50 years with with people like uh, totally just fighting and hostile and so forth. Um, Carm, that's an interesting question. You were a marriage therapist, so you would see um, couples. And did you find that, that a lot of people were not happily married but decided to stay in it, even beyond kids going off to college? Why would they do that? Oh, there, there are many reasons. Maybe some of them you have to look for in their personalities, in their psychodynamics. Uh, you know, it, it, um, it can lead to, to, to strange relationship if you have a, a self-image issue, if you have um, your, own, your own psychological makeup, how does it um, uh, interplay or interact with the other persons, even if it's in a negative way, there is still a, a bond, albeit a negative one, but people stay together, even in less than perfect situations. This particular case, I think it was a very, um, I would say, one-sided, one, per, one, one of them, if I, if I, understand it correctly one of them was the appeaser and the other one was all the time the attacker and you have to analyze what what made them the appeaser and the attacker he was a big guy you know a physically big guy but uh, he did not use any of his uh, advent any of that to his advantage hmm. um Tim, if you're defending um, Courtney Clenny here, mm -hmm. do you want this going to trial sooner than later? Because, again, there have been all these motions, all these delays. Uh, hopefully you're going to join me Friday morning for her next hearing in the Miami-Dade courtroom. But from your perspective, when would you like to see this go to trial? 
Well, I don't know if I can put myself in Courtney's shoes. I think that would be very difficult for me because I'm obviously um, on, I, I, I represent victims. That's what I do. That's what I have always done. Uh -huh. um, you know, from, from her perspective, I'm, I'm not really sure what their defense team's motives and are. I mean, I mean, it's been a, a very interesting case to follow, at least, you know, from the civil perspective um, of what their tactics and everything has been. I know that they're claiming self-defense, but as Tim is saying, I think it's extremely weak. All of the evidence, all of the, the medical examiner, I mean, everything is against that defense. So quite honestly, I, I don't really know what their defense strategy or, or tactics are. And maybe Tim has some insight into that. Yeah. Uh, so, Tim, what what would your preference be if you're defending Courtney Clenny? When, how soon would you like uh, this to go to trial? Well, first of all, I would have not publicly attacked the victim in this case. I would have tried to meet with Kim, um, that party, because in, in in the state of Florida, under Marcy's law, the victim, the victim's family, have a great say in how a plea is resolved, how a case is resolved. Now. If you go out there and denigrate this young man, uh, you're only insulting the family as well as of the murdered victim. Um, I think they've poisoned the well to be able to work out a deal. I think she'd have to get new counsel um, immediately and try to negotiate something. Um, I'm not sure going to trial sooner is better than later. I think only... The case is only going to get worse for the defense because the more the, the state finds witnesses and these calls and stuff, it looks like it's going to get worse for her. Um, they may be able to get another expert that will, of course, contradict the so-called so defense's expert. I don't think there's a lot of depositions in this case because there's not a lot of witnesses um, that were there, but they're clearly going to have experts. They're going to have some neighbors who could be witnesses. Uh, the officers that showed up, the ambulance that showed up. Um, so I would I would think this is not a case I would want to try. Um, looking at the autopsy report, looking at the facts, and looking at my client's statements, um, if my investigators, Monica and I, we would be trying to work out a solution with the family. And, and Kim, I, I take it that the state attorney, you're in contact with them. They're not going to do any kind of resolution without letting you know. Is that Absolutely right? Not. Absolutely right. not. And they know that we want to go to trial, that we want justice, that we're, we're not accepting a plea or anything because she needs to be held accountable. She needs to be convicted because this wasn't self-defense. All of the evidence, everything is beyond clear exactly what happened here. She was volatile. She had, an, like you said, one of her, her heat of the moment, passion, and, and she killed him point blank. Um, and it's, it's not something that we're going to be shying away from the, the family will, will be there every day in, in the courtroom. And, um, you know, they, they want to see justice. And how Kim, different would it be, Kim, oh, go ahead, would Kim. It be, Kim, if the lawyer or the new lawyer contacted you and said, listen, between you and I, we, we, we know that this is a problem. She wants to take responsibility. She knows she's going to have to assume responsibility. She knows she's going to have to be convicted. She wants to, she feels terrible about it. We want to see if we can work something out. She's not saying she wants Scott free, but she wants to work some kind of resolution where she will publicly admit. And, and you know, as a civil, you want her to be adjudicated guilty or you want her to enter a plea, not no contest, right? Because yeah. all that is admissible in the civil case. All exactly. that helps you. A defense lawyer, 
has to give something to get something, right? And the defense lawyer has to realize what's in the best interest of my client. Pissing off the prosecution and victim on a case I can't win or trying to resolve it where I can cut the losses, minimize the loss, and we all move forward. Uh, that's what I would do in this case. Tim, what, what, kind of, what kind of deal do you think you could work out, you know, hypothetically, if you were her you, attorney? What would you look for? You'd look for maybe a, a manslaughter charge, which gives, and, and, and they could work out a guideline range, which is much less than what she'll get. Uh, you could put in there some anger management. You can, uh, like you said, plead guilty. So that is admissible in a civil proceeding. Um, and, and maybe get her to write an apology or a statement of facts of how it really happened, which could then help the civil suit against the premises and the security. They're probably bonded. You know, you try to rent an apartment today, and if you've ever been charged with any crime or a misdemeanor, they can turn you down. So they, these, these leases today are so one-sided towards the, the landlord. They could have kicked her out of this apartment based on the domestic violence complaints, for sure, which opens them up to liability, and that's why they're suing them. Uh, Carm, this is an interesting comment here from Annie K. Then I want to play that video. Uh, Courtney seems to be the one controlling the relationship, including the murder scenario, uh, with a staged uh, question there. Um, is she so controlling that she was trying to ultimately control the narrative, Carm? Um, I am going to think that will make me not very popular. I I am questioning if she really wanted to kill him. Maybe in that moment when she grabbed the knife, she was like really furious. But overall, I think she just wanted to hurt him. I don't think she wanted to kill him. Because allegedly, right after the uh, the knife uh, was, she was stabbed with the knife. Uh, Courtney was holding him on on in her arms and crying. Mm. So I think the initial. I don't know if it if it's a it's not a premeditated murder, but it's not a, a murder that was intended murder. I don't know if that in legally matters or not. Doesn't matter. I won't even follow up on that with Kim because I don't want to hold her. Uh, you know, anything she says can and will be held against her in a court of yeah. law. Um, so I don't think she wants to admit that, but I guess that is a possibility. Um, this is interesting because I didn't um, see this. Or notice this at least. Jim can comment. Tim, I, I, Carm, you, Sorry, Carm, you were exactly what you said. If you were a juror. You found her guilty of the charge she's charged with. Not premeditated, not intentional, but an act exactly. that was so dangerous and deprived and it caused a death. That's what she'd be convicted of. That's what she's charged with. You mean the second? The, uh, second degree. Second degree manslaughter. By the way, uh, quick programming note. We're coming back to you in two hours and 16 minutes, and we are going to be discussing at 7 p.m. Eastern time the Jennifer Farber Dulos case, which is a very twisted, horrific case. She ended up uh, declared dead by a judge. Her ex-husband committed suicide and her ex-husband's uh, girlfriend at the time is going to face murder charges in a courtroom beginning tomorrow. And we're going to lay out the whole case uh, 
incredible wealth involved in this custody battles, five children orphaned. Uh, we have some amazing panelists coming on tonight, uh, including Wendy Murphy and Anjanette Levy of the law and crime and John Spillbore, who is a spitfire, aggressive attorney. Um, one thing came here from KDS. I don't ever see mentioned in Courtney's uh, is Courtney's one. One thing I don't ever see mentioned is Courtney's pants are white and they are pink uh, when she goes to talk to the cops and she didn't change. They are blood soaked. Uh, is that something that you take notice of uh, that you uh, admit into evidence? Uh, what do you do with that bit of information? Yeah, so, you know, through a civil case, we also we obviously have obtained all of the photographs, um, the videos from the police, and it is a horrifying sight. It's something that, you know, as an attorney, we have to see. But the the crime here and, and the actual apartment and everything there is blood everywhere. I mean, the body worn cam of when they the police finally show up and they open up the door. I mean, seeing her, she is dripped head to toe in blood. Um, and I, I think that that also goes to how all of this occurred of uh, you know the the angle of the knife the um severity of of her throw how deep it went into his body um all of those things are obviously very graphic they're unfortunately necessary evidence that we have to show a jury we don't do it for the dramatic effect but it is a piece of evidence it it is what happened and all of that the the civil jury and the criminal jury they're all going to see those photos because this is the facts this is what happened in the case Mm. Uh, Tim, doesn't premeditated from Yala involve seconds? Doesn't it have uh, doesn't have to be elaborate? I thought so. Just uh, elaborate on that. That's that's exactly true. Uh, premeditation doesn't have to take a long time. You can get premeditation within seconds or minutes of an event. Um, if there's not a superseding event that you could call a heat of passion or fight. Um, like say they weren't having a fight example, he's laying on the bed and she just walks over and stabs him in the chest. That would be premeditated because she decided with the knife, I'm going to stab him. And it didn't look like she lost anything. This is a, this is a scenario. This isn't what happened. So I'm just trying to give an example. Um, mm -hmm. But premeditation, I have a case now where my guy was char is charged with first-degree murder, and we believe it's, it's self-defense. Um, and they're saying because my guy had a gun that he it was premeditated, even though the victim attacked my client without any provocation, and my guy then pulled the gun and shot him, killed him. And so they're claiming that was enough for premeditation. Of course, we believe it's self-defense. So, wow, um, is this guy facing uh, life in prison? Yes. Wow. Um, I like the comment. I love the name. Addicted to STS. If I ever get into trouble, I'm calling Tim. There you go. Uh, Put my number up for that person. <laughs> Those are the ones that never get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Nor'easter JP watching from Budapest, uh, Carm. You know curses in Hungarian. It's your maiden tongue. Uh, would you like to say anything? You don't have to curse, but what should uh, Nor'easter <laughs> say? You give him a phrase for. Say it one more time. It means I wish you a good night. Say it one more time. You ashtit kivanok. 
By the way, that's Carm's native tongue right there. And in every language, no matter what she speaks of her six languages, languages, she always has a Hungarian accent. Here is the video. Let's watch this. Languages for the record. The six is Spanish and I fake it. Okay, here you go, Carm. And uh, I want to get your reaction to this and obviously Kim's. Watch the video here. I've been talking about uh, Courtney Clenny and her boyfriend, Christian Obenselli, trying to make their way up in their private elevator to the $12,000 a month apartment. Um, bit of a fight here. Now, there's two different interpretations of this. The prosecution says, yeah, this is Courtney Clenny abusing Christian Obenselli, who she eventually stabbed to death in his chest. Um, I spoke with her lawyer and said, well, he's like not supposed to be going in that elevator to the apartment. She was trying to go to the apartment and he's like stalking and following her and won't leave the apartment that she pays for. So what's the truth? Well, it'll be battled out in court, but she's charged. That is our friend Vinnie Politan of Court TV, obviously. I'm going to play it and talk. Uh, we'll talk. Carm, what is your take on this as a therapist seeing what's transpiring here? My dear mother. I hear you. I'm looking at the at the TV, and uh, well, you know, you see the context is important. If you look at them just having a fight, or if you know that she went into the elevator and he followed her after they agreed that he's not coming up. See, I look at that, see her holding open the door for him to come in. She pushes a button and realizes she doesn't have the little whatever you have to push it. And then she gets frustrated. Another sign of her anger. She lashes out at the elevator and then she starts lashing out at him. Yeah. She's, um, you mean she needs like a fob? Yeah. She needs a fob. A fob. That's right. And Carm, on the context, right, we have all the phone, we have all the, the phone records between Christian, between Courtney. We know that during this time that th there was no time that he was kicked out, that they had this volatile relationship. I think everyone agrees for that. But we have all their phone records. We have all of it. You know, she would get upset. He would leave, take a walk around the neighborhood, and then she, he would come back. He was on the lease to the apartment. He was actually named on the lease when she filled it out. He was named on there as a resident who was staying at the apartment for those three months. So th this story that her defense attorneys are making up, the evidence will speak for itself. We have the text messages. We see this relationship. And from this video, you see that Christian is doing everything he can to try to, to calm down the situation. And she just keeps coming back time and time again and, and keeps just um, you know, hitting him and abusing him. And he's doing his best to just try to, to push her away and, and not react. Yeah. He looks like he's trying to, you know, ease the situation and you can see he's in a defensive posture this whole time. He's just trying to press the button at one right there. He doesn't raise a hand. He's just raising the arm to defend himself, but she's and there. He's holding her down. It's really sad to watch actually considering uh, this guy is in the prime of his, not even the prime of his life, getting into the prime of his life, physically very fit. But you see him, he's just holding her back. Uh, this is so tragic because he's only 27. Someone here, uh, Amy P. in New Jersey, how old is Courtney? She was 26 at the time, and she's 27 now. Uh, Kim, there's uh, reports, too, that she was dating, I, I want to say Mr. Olympia, some, something like that, and she broke his jaw. So there's 
other people she's been in relationships. How important is it from your position to gather that kind of information? And is all that admissible in the, in a civil case? Yeah. So her her demeanor in general, all of those things are important to find out what is going on. Who is she? You know what what type of person she is, because some some of the things that make this civil case really unique is the dynamic between them. There's gender issues. There's race issues. There's DV issues, because when you see this couple, a black man, a, a larger black man and a white woman and the police, when they came to this apartment eight times, if one time they would have suspected him being the abuser, we all know, unfortunately, what would have happened. He would have been called and he would be sitting in jail. But because it was the other way, because it was her being the aggressor, all of those dynamics are extremely important. That it took the police every time they're saying, okay, you know, something's going on here. You know, I don't know what it is, but we're not going to arrest this woman. If one time there was even the, the smallest bit of evidence that he was the aggressor, he would have been carted away to jail. But that's not what happened. We know that it was this reverse situation where he was the victim and through manipulation, through money, through whatever means it was possible, he stayed with her. And it was a very volatile, a very unhealthy relationship. And, you know, being the victim in that situation, it's difficult to leave. She manipulated him. You know, she dangled money in front of him to do whatever she could. I'm sure she apologized after these situations, told her, told him that she loved him to, to reel him back. And, you know, he was unfortunately so stuck at that point that th there was not, there was no other turning back. You can't turn back when you're in that situation, you're embarrassed, um, you know, that he, as, as a larger male is being beat up and, and hit by this, this small woman, who's going to even believe him. So there's so many dynamics that play that come into play here. Her, her past, like you said, the, the prior relationship she has, all of these things are, are very important to our case. And as uh, the chat is pointing out, and Tim did earlier, uh, he was stabbed by her beforehand. Uh, we were just talking about this ex-boyfriend whose jaw she apparently broke. Uh, Bayou Babe here, uh, Tim Jansen, could she get off with a mental plea when they arrested her finally? Um, she was in Hawaii at a rehab facility for what she described as PTSD and also drug addiction. Um, would you go down that road, Tim, uh, as a defense attorney and say, look, she's not competent to stand trial? Um, I'm sure everyone and their uh, and their mother, no pun intended, tries to, you know, raise that case if possible. OK, so there's two different areas you got. Competency to go to trial is completely separate from was she competent and mentally sane at the time of the offense? Okay, so what do you look at? You look at her conduct during the offense. You look at her conduct after the offense in determining what her mental state was at the time of the offense. She called her mother two times, talked for like 12 minutes. Then she called 911. Then she went to the police station. She waved Miranda. She gave statements. She gave her explanations. She wasn't suffering any mental uh, inability to respond to questions. She gave reasons. She tried to explain. Nothing at all shows that she was uh, not acting properly at the time of the offense. Now, just because she went to a rehab center, an expensive one in Hawaii, doesn't mean she suffered a mental offense, uh, uh, defect. It could be she went there for drug addiction. And maybe she went there to try to get away, 
hoping she wouldn't be charged. That doesn't mean it had anything to do with how her, her actions were at the time of the offense. I do not believe she has a defense, and that's going to be a NGI, not guilty by reason of insanity at time of the offense. I've had, I've just had a couple of these. They're not easy to get. You know, you can find an expert, but most experts are really good psychiatrists. These forensic ones, they know malingering. They look at the reports. They look at what happened. They look at what she says, what she did. Those are all factors they take in consideration. It's not something that's easily sold. I believe she is competent to go forward. I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen a motion by the defense. They would be obligated to bring it to the court immediately if they thought she wasn't competent to proceed. Uh, Ned Smith here for you, Carm. Ned's a friend of the show, a funny guy. Did she call her mommy? Who would ever call someone mommy? Did she call her mommy looking for reassurance for what she did, followed by this comment? Clenny's mother told her immediately to claim self-defense. Carm, it's obviously speculation, but what do you think was going on uh, when she called her mother at that moment? Well, what happened is that she stabbed him. He was he was dying. And the the anger that she experienced a few minutes before kind of subsided to to a degree, and now she she was thinking more rationally, and she was asking her mother, telling her mother how she was asking for help, obviously, uh, from her mother. And Carm, this is a very important comment, and I'm glad a dog named Boo uh, dropped it in our chat. It says, I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder in 1987. That's when I graduated yes. high school, by the way. <laughs> Haven't killed anyone yet. People like her, Courtney Clenny, give those who don't behave as badly a bad name. Don't dare tell people because they'll immediately be afraid of me. Very important here, Carm. A lot of people well, are diagnosed I, with this, but it doesn't make you a killer. There's but, plenty of medications no, and no, plenty no, of great no, people. Correct, Carm? No. First of all, how come well, no one yells at Carm for interrupting me? By the way, why is it on? This is like the situation between uh, you know Courtney and and Chris. I I'm all. No one believes that Carm interrupts me. Go ahead, Carm. Listen, uh, we'll deal about with this afterwards. Yes, but. Right now, I think I uh, I made it a point if we run back and listen to what I said earlier about borderline personality, I said that each case has to be judged on its merit. You cannot, you know, there are, there is a saying, there are no diagnoses. There are only different people responding to different illnesses in, in mental health uh, to a, to a, a bigger or lesser degree. And and just because somebody was called by a psychiatrist or psychologist a borderline personality, if you go just on Google, you don't have to read any uh, textbooks, and you start to examine what is a borderline personality, you will see an enormous variation, enormous variation. It's uh, Maybe it's a very wrong analogy. But there is such a thing as um, if you are autistic, you know, there are autistic people who are brilliant. And there are autistic people who cannot even speak because of their autism. And they're both called autistic. So I would not let a labeling 
influence how I feel. I hope I hope you understand the person who said that he was diagnosed in and he was diagnosed in 1987. I believe it was a woman. He or she was diagnosed in 87 and even the the terminology changed. The 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 requirements for this diagnosis changed. Many things, for example, a long time ago if I'm digressing, but I love to digress. If if you were gay, it was considered a mental illness, and today we know it's hundred percent not. So, so things changed since 1987, and if you never murdered anybody till now, my advice is don't do it. <laughs> well, my next book is going to be surviving the psychiatrist, a story about my dad and all the advice he gave me. And one of the things he said was. Don't let labels hold you back. No one, if you are suffering from bipolar or any kind of mental illness, it does not make you a bad person, a criminal, an evil person. Everyone's got something to contend with. As Carm always says, we're all just trying to survive in a rough world. Now, Carm, I'm not bringing this up, but Drenda is, and I won't even try to pronounce her last name. Love you, Carm. You too, Joel. I'm always the afterthought, but it's fine. Not really, but it's sort of fine. Ordered your book and can't wait to read it. Look at that. Um, anyone who's helping the homeless is going to get a shout out from me. Person, because I don't come out smelling as a perfect rose. JWJ. Hi, Joel. She calls, or he or she calls you Karma, which I love. Hi, Joel, Karma panel and chat. I'm from New Jersey, the Garden State, our home state. And my channel is based on the, uh, uh, about the homeless and homeless in Camden, New Jersey, right next to Philly. So uh, shout out and, and uh, kudos to you for helping the uh, the homeless. Um, Kim, this comes back to you here, uh, back to what we were talking about earlier from Angie. Would there be laws preventing the security slash management company from entering? Um, is there, um, I mean, do they have, they're obviously going to have their own attorneys, but, you know, um, liability-wise, how much liability do they have? So that is obviously one of the main issues in the civil case. Um, the security company has filed what's called a motion to dismiss, and they're arguing we don't have any duty to go into an individual condo unit. Um, first of all, we know that they they did have notice, that they knew that there is police constantly called to this unit. Security was constantly brought to this unit. They knew that this woman had a, a medical condition that she announced to them. She gave them that notice. Um, and, you know, it, this was an emergency situation when this was occurring. They had noticed from neighbors that they were hearing screaming. They were hearing yelling. You know, they heard that um, the, the front desk even called and had their security outside. You know, if there was a fire in that in that apartment, if there was the water leaking and the neighbors downstairs were complaining about it, the security would have busted through that door. They would have gone in. They would have gone in to try to take down that fire. So what makes this situation different? If this was the first time that there was any problems in that unit, perhaps they didn't need to go in. But this wasn't the first time. It wasn't the second time. It wasn't the third time. It was the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th time that they had a problem with these individuals to the extent that they were trying to evict them. Before this, about four or five days before, she was going to be evicted. The sheriffs were going to show up to that apartment and drag her out. But 
she told him that she has this disorder. And instead of saying, you know what, we're really sorry about that, but you still need to vacate. They said, well, you know what, you're a month late in rent. So if you go ahead and pay us your $10,000 for rent, you can stay here and we're just going to wipe everything in the past clean. That's not their, that, that's not okay. They have to be responsible. They have to protect the other people in the building. And this was an emergency situation. They had to go in and they didn't. They sat out south, outside <coughs> for 12 minutes and allowed this murder to occur. Um, Bonnie Lee Lopez asking me how many books have been ordered. She's in Chile, Vermont. I have no idea, <laughs> to be totally honest. I have not a clue, no clue at all. Um, but hopefully, it will be one more than what Mitch Album sold when it came to Tuesdays with Maury. By the way, Mitch Album, famous <coughs> author, coming on the show February, whatever Sunday yeah. is, February 5th, 4th, uh, 4th maybe February 4th. It's a Sunday. First Sunday in February. Yes, Carm. We usually don't have podcasts on Sunday, and this is not a true crime uh, podcast, but it's, it's a... It's a That's not true, Carm. And I'll tell you why, because Mitch Album's new book is called The Little Liar. It's a bestseller and it's about the Holocaust. And uh, the Holocaust is ar arguably the biggest crime ever committed against mankind. You went through it, Carm. So uh, not altogether true that it is not a true crime story, but we're going to be discussing his book. In this book is fictional. Look at this, Carm. Nikki Coots wants to know when we're going to be in New York City. Carm already was trying to back out of some of this book tour stuff. If I have to put her in my suitcase, she's coming. I'll tell you right now, the definite cities, Miami, Boston, New York, Chicago, L.A., and we're going to fill in some gaps. We're going to Nashville for crime. Color, but we'll fill in some gaps along the way. Tim Jansen from Ambush. We'll go about another five, ten minutes because Kim has to get going at a quarter after the hour. And I have to be respectful of her time or she will sue me. <laughs> Ambushed. Uh, can the prosecution bring up the other knife attacks, Tim Jansen, on Christian Obumzeli and other boyfriends by this woman? What is going to be admissible? Well, it's going to it's going to be Williams rule or 404 B. It's going to be decided by how when did it occur? What, the, what were the circumstances of the event? How similar are they to what happened here? A court will then do a 403 analysis, whether or not it's relevant, whether the probative value outweighs the prejudicial effect, and the court will determine then if they believe it's admissible. It's very detrimental to a defendant or in a, in a case if that is admissible. Um, and I think if she stabbed this victim within, say, a year or two, I would think it would be highly relevant and would be admissible. I, I don't know about the others. Time and durate, time is, is the biggest thing. If it happened 20 years ago, judge can say, I don't think it's relevant. But if it's within a year, uh, I think it is relevant. It's the same party. I think it is relevant. Tim, uh, Nikki Kood says, besides Carm, you're her favorite guest. Would Tim ever take this case if he could? And by the way, here's the DV hotline. Uh, all joking aside, if anyone is going through stuff and you never know what people are going through, uh, that number can help you out, could even save your life. 1-800-799-7233, uh, 1-800-799-7233. Tim Jansen, would you take this case? Well, if I did take the case, I would not have gone on court TV and talked about the facts. I would have not denigrated the victim. 
I would have gotten all my evidence and gotten experts, tried to work with the victim's family, try to work with the prosecutor and see if there's a chance to get a resolution. The best way to get a, a good plea is to prepare for trial and have a defense. It's not to attack the victims. Uh, it's just the wrong. It just seemed like a very inexperienced legal maneuver. And was it done for media, a publicity? Because it's it's not going to help the case. And in fact, I think some of his comments violate the Florida bar rules on talking publicly about a case that's still pending. Um, yeah. I, I, it's yeah. a big mistake. Now, of course, you know some of the cases I've had, Joel, um, and they're much more serious in this case. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, you don't always know your client's liability. They don't come in and tell you. They get charged with the crime and then say the person dies. Next thing you know, what was it, an aggravated assault or battery turns into a murder case. And then the facts get really, really bad. So uh, I'm not going to say I would not take the case, but I can tell you I would not have handled it the way it's been handled. I'm just looking at um, the, the uh, quote here. This is uh, Kim. This is Frank P uh, Prieto, who is the defense attorney for Courtney Clenny. And he made this comment publicly, he says it's an absolute injustice to charge a victim of domestic violence and human trafficking with a crime. He is saying that Christian Obamselli, uh, there's no other way to read it, was dealing in human trafficking, presumably of her. Um, and I'm not a lawyer, but to me, that's almost libelous if it's not actually libelous. I think uh, it is. You, yeah. What do you make of that? There is no evidence. There is absolutely nothing ever to substantiate any of those claims. They're trying this case in the court of public opinion because they don't have the evidence, because they don't have anything in the actual court of law. So they're just going to go on TV and, and try to try, try to, to do whatever they can, because in the court of law, there is no evidence. There is not a single piece of testimony, a single evidence, anything that could substantiate any of those claims. So the jury in the criminal case will hear the evidence, will hear what actually happened. And the family, that there is no question that she will be convicted because this is black and white. Everything that they're saying is, is just to try to convince the court of public opinion. But the court of law, which is the court that actually matters, the, the truth will come out and, and justice will 100% be served. Uh, once again, I digress. So whoever that was at the beginning is really going to hate me. But someone asked if Carmen is a Leo. We are both Leos, both Carmen and I. I'm at the end of July. She's the beginning of August. Susan B., it's not me, Carmen. It's them asking, is your book on audio too? It is going to be an audio book, and it is going to be voiced by myself and my beautiful mother, which I think because is going it's to be a, It's an interview. Joel is interviewing me, and it's all on tape, so I couldn't deny that I was cursing. There was <laughs> evidence. But the funniest the, thing is going to be when you have to actually curse at me because we're reading the book, and you're going to have to do it dramatically. I, I did something in the very end of the book. I have to tell you this because— Don't this, do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do okay. not do it. Okay, fine. Give that away. There's a special ending. Uh, <laughs> special ending. Don't don't worry. Uh, this is up your alley here, Carm, from Jelena Sirovina. Dober Don Carmela. Greetings from the Netherlands. What is Dober Don? It's it's in Serbo-Croatian. Well, a good day. Dober Don. 
And what would you like to say back to her? And Sir, now we're going from Hungarian to Serbian, Carm. What would you say okay, to her? Well, let's not do it today. But Just, I will do this last thing. Želim vam srednu novu godinu. Because I went to school My whole life people say, how come you don't speak Serbian or Hungarian? How can you understand that? It just sounds like you're slurping soup. There's no way to understand that. It's impossible to understand. Yeah, but uh, why, Kim, don't you, why don't you speak Spanish? Your wife is, speaks perfect Spanish. And yeah, your children I'm, ter- speak- I'm terrible with languages, but I'm, yeah. good at, I'm good at getting the COE to put elements in the show. Let's listen to this. This is again from Core TV. Listen to this quickly. We'll get reactions in, and then we'll let Kim, Tim, and Carm go. They're almost all Kim, right. Tim and Carm, it sounds good. Open the door for real. This isn't cool. I By have a lump on the so back of my head. This is a dramatized ex- text exchange between Christian and Courtney that Core TV did. Feel good. Open the door for real. This isn't cool. I have a lump on the back of my head and I'm dizzy and anxious. And I can't keep walking up and down when my leg hurts. Come on. Courtney, can you come get me? I'm not feeling too hot. And I need to lay down with this ice pack. I can't see straight. I've been sitting in the restroom for an hour. Courtney, this is up. I have a lump on my head and I'm bleeding and have anxiety. Can you answer your phone? Courtney, can you let me in? You hit me in the face with the phone they continue to hit the back of my head with the phone now i have a lump i'm bleeding throwing up think i got a mild concussion and have anxiety and it keeps going on like that kim when you hear that um he's got a lump in the back of the head she smacked him with the phone uh how much strength does that add to your case i mean it, it just goes back to this volatile relationship of why he was staying in it of of him being the the true victim um of this horrible situation and i i think it strengthens our case and the criminal case because these are the facts we know what happened we know what their relationship is because we have all the evidence uh carm what do you make of that you know he's basically pleading to be let back into the apartment again that he was smashed in the head with a phone he's got a headache our our audiences are familiar with the markel case and lacaz who who really uh had a crush on um jeff lacaz on wendy Wendy Adelson. adelson uh was was really taken by her and he was willing to um almost believe her because because uh because he was having a, a major attraction and 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 maybe even love for her so this is i think it happened to this young man christian also that you know he became sort of the slave of love i mean it sounds like a cliche but it's it's possible that mm-hmm. Uh, that he did, I, you know, she was doing only fans, and I looked up what is this. I, I discover weird things every day, but this is this is a very uh, interesting uh, website, and I think women who are like exhibitionists go on on this site, probably among other people, and maybe she was also um, exhibitionist, an exhibitionist that she did these strange appearances to the point where she made about $2 million with this. Is it correct? Yet, yet she was uh, $10,000 behind in rent. Welcome to Miami. Um, Carm, have you been to Slovenia? They're saying hello from Slovenia. Have you ever been? You know who is from Slovenia? Who's that? 
I don't it's the only show where we're talking. Uh, I, I don't know if I can even mention the name on this show, but it's Trump's wife, Melania. Oh, there you go. And Trump's so yesterday I her saw, mother died. Yeah, yesterday I saw on CNN that her mother died. She was young, 78 years old. We don't discuss politics on this show, Carm. Gwig says uh, to yeah, you, Kim. We, and I we discuss Slovenia. We do. Goldman sued OJ and won, uh, but they they never really got anything from him, from him. That happens, Kim. Is that right? Yeah, you know, in in those cases, sometimes that does happen. But we know that she does have assets here. Um, and again, the civil case is is the larger picture. There are other defendants. There's the security company, the management company, the owner of the complex, and Courtney as well. And, and it's not about the money for the family. I mean, they're doing this for justice. They're doing this so that the next time a security company sees something like this, it doesn't happen to another victim. The next time an apartment complex has a volatile you know, couple, that doesn't do it. They, the money will never bring Christian back. But if they can help save another person's life, that that's why we're doing this. Kim, I have two quick questions for you. Then we're going to wrap it up with final thoughts. What is your I'm always curious about this. What is your day to day like? Are you on the phone? Are you writing motions? What What do you do most of your day? So every day is different. We're in trial. We're running around to inspections, to depositions, hearings. You know, Zoom's made it a little bit uh, different that we do a lot on the computer. Um, but that's why I love my job. Every day is a little bit different and you learn something and you're able to help help people and help clients every day. My day is always different. It's either the babysitter getting into a fender bender, Carm screaming at me not to talk about my book. You never know what's coming. I can just guarantee you that someone somewhere in some corner of my world is going to be yelling at me. Kim, last thing I want to get your take on. And we, talk, we talked about it. Uh, we talked about it earlier. Um this knife was apparently thrown from 10 feet away, but as Tim said, it penetrated uh, the, I forget the medical term, but the artery on the right side of the chest, eight, I think it was four, eight centimeters, eight centimeters. What, I mean, what do you do from your standpoint? Do you have to bring in a medical expert? Um, this is just, I mean, this is insane. This is basically implying she's a ninja, you know, throwing this knife on the, basically as she was falling from 10 feet away. It's just absurd. It, it is absurd. And, you know, the civil case, we don't have to prove how he was killed or the mechanism of it. But in the state attorney's case, they don't have to bring in an, their own expert because the independent medical examiner in the autopsy showed exactly what happened. So this isn't going to be a case where there's a battle of an expert that wasn't paid by the state attorney's office in relation to this case. He's the independent expert, the only the only medical doctor that will be truly independent in this case. And he said exactly what happened, that it clearly could not. It was, you know, medically impossibility for it to actually be thrown. KCL, regardless, I think Courtney was acting in over the top anger. She was out of control. When people are that angry, they need to chill somewhere away from people. KCL, big friend of the show, follows a lot of these cases, always knows Kimmy Wells echoing my sentiments i'm 27 minutes in and tim has my full attention just wow he makes everything make sense tim does have uh the gift of gab the gift of no, explanation no, no. Too. he has the gift of knowledge knowledge that too carm um look at this carm you ready to go here sts should be live 24 hours a day uh i will do the overnights because i'm a if night owl if sts is live then then we will be dead <laughs> 
<laughs> Carm, I'm going to have to rein you in like those reindeer on Christmas Eve, because, like Santa Claus does, because you were about to give away the very last page of the book. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm unbelievable. Eve. I'm going to have to. She's just known as Carm. There's certain people with one name, Elvis, Oprah, Liberace, and then there's Carm. Carm, your final thoughts today. It's it's a very sad case. They they lived in a beautiful place. They were both young, and they could have had a very enjoyable life on South Beach. But look what they did. Mm. Uh, Tim Jansen. What is there to say about Tim Jansen? He's my partner in crime here, uh, literally and figuratively. He is uh, one half of the Jansen and Davis law firm in Tallahassee. He's done it all, and he spent five years as a federal prosecutor. How does this case wind up, uh, Tim Jansen? Well, I'm curious to see if she gets another lawyer, um, because I'm, I'm curious to see if the judge finds a lawyer in contempt for the comments. They, they moved to sanction the lawyer. I'd be curious to see what happens. Um, Kim, I think maybe the state will hire an expert only if they get a report from the defense expert, and they'll try to find one that can uh, dispute that. Um, and if they don't, they don't have to mention him. But I agree, the independent ME is good. But if they're going to bring in an expert, they might want to try to have one to just negate it because then a jury will think, okay, two experts, we'll stick with the ME. Um, but you're right. They can, the, the ME is, it, it can be depending on the ME if they're young and been around, but you know, common sense, you try to throw a knife from 10 feet away. You're not going to go into someone eight centimeters and she was holding it like this. That's how she was describing it in the interview. Uh, she wasn't saying like, you know, you throw it or toss the ax. That's not how she was holding it. So. Uh, Tim Jansen, while I have you, uh, held yep. captive here, uh, we would love to have you Friday when Courtney's in court. Um, what time is that? It's uh, She's going to be, I think it's 9.30. We would start at 9.15. You let me know if you can do it. Otherwise, okay. um, uh, but we, we are going to do some live coverage and analysis of okay. Courtney, Clenny in court. Tim will let me know after this. Um, from Lindsay Hendricks to Kim Wald. Uh, for Kimberly, will you please pass on our love, respect, and grief to Christian's family? I hope they know how many people out there are aware of his story and truly feel for him and them alike. This is why I always say best guest, better community. Um, and I agree with this sentiment. Kimberly, uh, that's not the one, but it says Kimberly is amazing. Where did you go? Here it is. And someone said, you've got to have Kim back on. Kim, will you come back on despite the inauspicious circumstances surrounding today's <laughs> Podcast. Absolutely. And I'll only come back if Carm's here to join us and Tim. So, okay. We'll do it again. The three of us, Ida just gave a super sticker. Uh, Kim, your final thoughts here. Um, what is this case? How's it, how's it unraveling for you here? Um, and did it turn out and, uh, your final thoughts. No, you know, we, we appreciate you uh, having us on. And, and again, we're doing this, um, really for justice to make sure that, when things like this happen, people take notice. You can't just turn a blind eye. You can't just allow these things to happen and not take responsibility. On that note, a quick reminder, we're going to be back on uh, 7 p.m. Eastern tonight on the uh, Jennifer Farber Dulos case out of New Canaan, Connecticut. People always yell at me, why are you looking at your phone? It's because I take notes. Um, and I'm looking at some of the countries that were in the chat. So on that note, 
Love you, America. We'll see you at uh, 7 p.m. Love you, Sweden. They're in the chat. The UK, the Republic of Ireland, Australia, Canada. America. Love you, America. Love you, Tallahassee. The state of Florida. We're all from Florida in this uh, little square box here, but love to all. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.